Hi, this is Chris again with Nightfall Audiobooks, and this week I am doing Dead End, book 29 from the Fear Street line. I have not read this before. It was part of a poll that I put up, and listeners like you voted for it, and I'm going to be covering it. There are quite a few characters in this novel. I am reading this to you from a text file, so so I grabbed all the names that I could find, and I ran them through a counter, and I assigned voices. And I hope I got it all right, and I got everybody. If not, we'll just figure it out as we go. So this book is around 150 pages long, so it'll be around two and a half, three hours to tell the story. So five or six episodes, right? But if you look at the line counter on this book, it's 7,733. A typical 150-page novel is around 35, 3,600 lines. So this will feel like a slog to record, but it's not really. Anyway, I am eager to get started, and I will mess with this book's proclivities as I get there. So what should I do next? I don't know. Polls and questions and suggestions by listeners like you help drive what I select to do next. So please write me an email, nightfallaudiobooks at gmail.com. I am also on YouTube at Nightfall Audiobooks. Feel free to like, comment, and subscribe. I love your comments. Good, bad, ugly, I don't care. Tell me what you're thinking. I also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash nightfallaudiobooks. Any help will be greatly appreciated. So tell your friends, tell your mom, tell whoever you think would like to listen to me tell them tales from R.L. Stein. Thank you very much for listening, and let's begin. Welcome to a Nightfall Audiobooks production of Dead End by R.L. Stein, a Fear Street novel, book 29. Prologue. Accidents will happen. That's what Mom always used to say when I spilled my milk at dinner or stubbed my toe while walking down the street. Dad would get on my case. Natalie, why can't you be more careful? He'd snap. You're always such a klutz. For some reason, spilled milk made him go ballistic. But Mom stayed cool. Accidents will happen, she'd say softly. I was eight when I fell out of a tree and broke my arm. Accidents will happen. You're just accident prone, Natalie. Two years later, I fell over the handlebars of my bike, showing off for some boys, landed on my head. The concussion sent me to Shadyside General. Mom remained calm and soothing. Accidents will happen. I thought of her words on the night of the terrible accident on the dead-end street, and I heard her voice. The shock of the crash still had my heart pumping, and as we sped away, our tires spinning on the rain-slick road, I knew what we were doing was wrong. I shut my eyes and heard Mom's soft, calming voice. Accidents will happen. Our car skidded wildly over the wet pavement, but we were getting away. We had to get away. Accidents will happen. It was only an accident, I told myself. And now it's over. I had no idea the real horror was just beginning. Chapter 1 Friday night, Talia Blanton's parents were away, so Talia threw a party. She invited only seniors at Shadyside High but some guys from another school crashed the party. And there were some girls I didn't recognize either. As I made my way down the basement stairs, Talia greeted me with a surprise expression. Natalie, I didn't think you were coming, she shouted over the booming music from the CD player. Why not? I shouted back. Talia took a long sip from her Coke can. I know you don't like parties, she gazed over my shoulder. Where's Keith? I spun around. My boyfriend, Keith Parker, had been right behind me. My eyes searched the crowded room. I spotted him on the other side of the ping-pong table, 
talking to Corky Kokorin and two other cheerleaders. I don't know half these kids, Talia declared with a sigh. I hope they don't trash the whole house. There are a bunch of guys out in the garage. I think they've got beer. My parents will kill me if they find out. I waved to Janie Simpson. She was perched on the arm of a red leather couch, talking to a girl I didn't recognize. Ricky Shore sat on the other end of the couch, a bag of potato chips in his lap. He was holding a potato chip over the head of Talia's brown cocker spaniel, teasing the dog with it, making the dog jump and beg. Where's Randy? Talia shouted. Did she come with you? Randy Morgenthau is my best friend. No, I came with Keith, I told Talia. Is his car still running? Talia demanded, shaking her head. He gave me a ride home from school last week. We had to push it up the hill. I laughed and started to say something, but Talia had hurried to the stairs to greet some new arrivals. Talia and I hadn't been friends until this year, when we discovered we were both writers. Talia likes to write scary stories. I don't enjoy that kind of stuff, but she's very talented at it. I keep a daily journal, and I write lots of poetry. This year, Talia and I have spent a lot of time together, talking about how we're going to leave Shadyside and become famous writers. I saw my friend Jillian Rose across the room. She was shoving Carlo Bennett away. He kept trying to put his arms around her, and she kept ducking. They were both laughing. Todd Davis, who was always showing off and acting tough, grabbed Carlo and held him so that Jillian could escape. But I don't think Jillian wanted to escape. She grabbed Todd's arm with both hands and tried to tuck him off Carlo. I walked over to Keith. He had a handful of pretzel sticks and was shoving them one at a time into his mouth. Can I have one? I asked. He dropped the whole handful into my hands. Not salty enough, he said, chewing. Keith is a salt freak. He'll eat anything if you cover it with salt. Keith is tall and very lanky. I barely come up to his shoulders. He has short brown hair, streaked with blonde, and big, soulful brown eyes. He's quiet and doesn't smile much. A lot of the time I wonder what he's thinking. I still haven't figured Keith out. But give me time. We've only been going together a couple of months. Jillian is the one who got Keith and me together. It was after a Tigers football game on a Friday night, soon after school started. We were in the student parking lot behind the stadium. She saw Keith heading home by himself. She dragged him by the arm and practically forced him to get into the car and come get a pizza with us. Keith and I really hit it off that night. What did I like about him? His shyness, I guess. His seriousness. Those deep, dark eyes. We've been going out ever since, and Jillian never lets me forget that she's the one who got us together. When are you going to find someone for me? She keeps asking. But I don't worry about Jillian. She's so beautiful with her long auburn hair, green eyes, and creamy white skin, and that graceful, slender figure of hers. She always has boys trailing after her like drooling puppy dogs. And she always has Carlo. She treats him like a best friend. But I know Carlo is interested in more than that. I glimpsed Jillian kidding around with Carlo and Todd. Someone turned the music up even louder. It pounded off the concrete basement walls, and the floor vibrated. The noise was deafening. I wondered if Talia's neighbors would complain. I saw Janie Simpson get up and start dancing with Pete Goodwin. A few other couples started to dance. Someone dropped a can of Coke. It puddled out over the floor. Hey, where are you going? I called, grabbing the sleeve of Keith's sweatshirt. He leaned close and talked right into my ear, struggling to be heard. Upstairs. Some guys have beer. I made a disgusted face. Aw, oh, you're not going to drink beer tonight, are you? His dark eyes lit up mischievously. He raised his pointer finger. Just one, really. He started to pull me to the stairs. Come with me, have a beer. No way, I tugged myself free. You know I hate beer, it tastes like soap. He shrugged his narrow shoulders. I had an impulse to tug his hair. 
He hates it when I tug his hair. He doesn't like having it messed up. I watched him disappear up the stairs. He had to step around a couple making out on the bottom step. I crossed the room and took a slice of pizza from an open box on the table against the wall. It was cold, but tasted okay. I waved to Jillian, who was dancing with Carlo, but she didn't see me. I spent the next half hour or so talking to kids, shouting over the music, just kidding around. I began to wonder if Keith was ever going to return when I saw Randy making her way down the stairs. She stepped over the couple on the bottom step, spotted me, and crossed through the crowded dance floor to get to me. Randy is tall and round-faced, with blonde, curly hair that she complains she can't do anything with. She's not really pretty. Her nose is kind of crooked, and she's still wearing braces even though she's 17. But she's the nicest person in the world, and just about the smartest girl in our class, and she's been my best friend forever. Hey, Jillian and Carlo are really getting it on, aren't they? Randy said, turning to watch them dance. I think Todd is jealous, I reported. Randy snickered. You think Todd has feelings? I shrugged. Todd was a big jock. Most everyone just thought of him as an ox. But I think Randy secretly had a crush on him. Where have you been? I asked her. She grinned at me. Upstairs? Talking with some guys from Madison? Is Keith still up there? I demanded. She nodded. Keith won the contest? Huh? What contest? I asked. The beer drinking contest? Randy replied. I groaned. Two dancing kids I didn't recognize backed into Randy and me. Sorry, the girl cried as I kept dancing. The basement was becoming crowded, so Randy and I were squeezed nearly to the laundry room. I hate it when Keith drinks a lot of beer, I wailed. He gets really giggly and stupid and he thinks he's a riot. I don't think Randy heard me. The music throbbed louder and some boys were yelling enthusiastically about something and slapping one another high fives. I tugged Randy's arm and we backed into the laundry room. It was only a little quieter in there. Pretty wild party, huh? Randy said. When she grinned, her braces showed. I feel like dancing or something. How about you? I rolled my eyes. Yeah, if I could drag Keith back down here. I haven't seen him since we got here. I saw Talia making her way through the crowd toward us. Her face was flushed and her hair was damp with perspiration. Hey, you guys, she called. Why are you hiding back here? I started to answer, but I was interrupted by some kind of commotion. Talia, Randy, and I moved to see what the noise was about. A girl's shrill, frightened scream rose over the music and I stepped into the room in time to see a body come tumbling down the basement stairs. Chapter 2 The music stopped. Startled cries rang out. What's happening? Who screamed? Where's the music? Did somebody fall? I saw a bunch of kids huddling around the bottom of the stairs. As I started toward them, a heavy feeling of dread settled over me. I suddenly knew. I knew it was Keith. I felt cold all over, my breath caught in my throat. As I pushed past a group of confused kids, I glimpsed Jillian and Carlo in the crowd near the stairs. Carlo had his arm around her shoulders. Jillian's auburn hair had fallen in damp tangles over her face. She had her hands pressed against her cheeks. It's Keith. I know it's Keith, I thought. I moved into the circle of kids and pushed my way to the front. Gasping, I nearly stumbled over the fallen body. It was Keith, sprawled flat on his back. His legs splayed out, one foot raised to the stairs. He grinned up at me, his expression dazed. I think I missed that first step, he said. Some kids laughed. I was too relieved to laugh. I just stared down at him, my heart pounding in my chest. I really had thought he was dead. He raised a hand for me to help pull him up. As I leaned down to grab it, I could smell the beer. He had spilled some of it on his shirt. His breath reeked of it. I pushed his hand away. You're really gross, I told him. 
He giggled as if I had said the funniest thing ever said. Then he tried to pull himself up, slipped, tried again. Keith, just how much beer did you drink? I demanded. His eyes were red. He squinted up at me as if he was having trouble focusing. There's none left, he said, shaking his head sadly. Keith! I let out a disgusted groan. None left, he muttered. Holding on to the banister, he finally managed to pull himself up. His eyes rolled as he struggled to see clearly. His face suddenly turned pale. I don't feel too well, he murmured. Kids cleared out of the way as Keith lurched to the little bathroom in the corner of the room. As the door slammed behind him, a lot of kids laughed. Someone started the music up again. I don't know him, I exclaimed to Jillian. I really don't. I don't know him. Todd suddenly appeared beside Jillian and Carlo. What a wimp, he scoffed, grinning. He raised his beefy fist and pointed it to the closed bathroom door. Natalie, your boyfriend is very immature. Oh, big word, Todd, someone behind us yelled. Todd ignored it. He brought his face close to mine. Half a can of beer and your boyfriend has to blow chunks, he said, smirking. Stop calling him my boyfriend, I insisted. I don't know him. I've never seen him before. Todd grabbed my hand. Want to dance, Natalie? He's big and broad-shouldered. He works out all the time. He has white blonde hair, long on top, and shaved on the sides. He has nice blue eyes and a pudgy little boy face. He'd actually be kind of good-looking if his forehead didn't jut out so far, which makes him look a little like a caveman. Some kids call Todd caveman, but only behind his back. If he ever heard it, he'd pound them. He's very vain. He once beat up a guy for stepping on a sneaker. I don't really feel like dancing, I told him. It was the truth. Seeing Keith act like such a total jerk in front of all of our friends had made me feel a little sick, too. I guess I was embarrassed. Not just for him. For me, too. When Keith finally emerged from the bathroom, he looked pale but a lot steadier. He came over and started joking and kidding around with everyone. His eyes were still glazed, but he seemed to have revived quickly. We all hung around for another hour or two. Talia had a dozen more pizzas delivered. More kids piled into the basement, mostly strangers. Kids who didn't go to Shadyside. I lost track of Keith for a while. I hoped he wasn't back up in the garage, pulling down more beers. I talked with Randy and Jillian and a girl I used to know at camp. Then suddenly, Keith appeared, tugging my arm. Ready to go home? I pulled myself free. No way, I replied sharply. His eyes opened wide in surprise. Huh? What are you talking about? I won't drive with you, I told him. You're too messed up. I'm okay, he claimed. Really? He followed me up the stairs. I grabbed my red parka. Don't follow me, Keith, I said sternly. There's no way I'm riding with you. He brushed his brown hair off his perspiring forehead. His dark eyes were red-rimmed and bloodshot. Hey, Natalie, give me a break. He grabbed both of my hands in his and leaned forward to kiss me. But his breath smelled so sour, I pulled away. Natalie. Keith stumbled toward me. I'll call you tomorrow, I said sharply. Then I turned and hurried out the front door. Hey, wait, Keith called. Ignoring him, I stepped into a wet, foggy night. Low clouds darkened the sky. It had been raining. The grass was wet, the driveway slick and puddled. Music from the basement blared out onto the front yard. There were still about ten or twelve kids hanging out in the garage. The door opened, the lights on, silvery cans of beer in their hands. As I started down the drive, I spotted Randy unlocking the driver's door of her dark green Volvo down on the street. Jillian and Carlo waited beside her. Cars from the party were parked up and down the block. Through the steamed-up windshield, I saw a couple making out in the front seat of the white Bonneville parked behind Randy's car. I was surprised to see Todd step out of the other side of the Volvo. As I walked closer, he grinned at me. You going home? Where's Keith? Still inside, I muttered. Todd snickered. Did you dump him? Jillian shoved Todd. You're so crude. You love it, Todd teased. 
Standing close to Jillian, Carlos scratched his black hair and looked uncomfortable. Todd climbed into the front passenger seat. Jillian and Carlo lowered themselves into the back. Glancing down the foggy street, I saw Keith's wreck of a car parked crookedly at the corner. Keith isn't too good at parallel parking. He had carelessly driven one side of the car over the curb, and the tiny temporary spare tire that he was supposed to replace weeks ago made the car look even more lopsided. I turned back toward the house and saw Keith lurching down the driveway. Natalie, Natalie, wait up, he called, waving wildly. Randy, can I ride with you? I asked. Randy nodded. Sure, jump in. She closed her door. The car started up. Natalie, wait. I'm not drunk, Keith shouted. Wait up. I ducked into the back seat beside Jillian and Carlo and slammed the door. Let's go, I cried to Randy. Hurry. As Randy pulled the car away from the curb, I settled back on the seat. I made the right decision, I thought. I was smart not to drive with Keith. I was glad to be riding home with Randy. Of course, it turned out to be a terrible mistake. But I had no way of knowing that, ten minutes later, I would give anything not to be in Randy's car. Chapter 3 I slouched low in the seat, shoving my hands deep into my parka pockets. Outside, wisps of fog swirled through the dark trees. Even though the rain had stopped, the windshield was still dotted with large raindrops. Carlo rested his arm on the back of the seat around Jillian's shoulders. Up front, Todd fiddled with the radio, tuning from station to station. When he couldn't find any music he liked, he clicked it off. Wow, Keith was bombed, Todd declared, giggling. When he fell down the basement stairs, he didn't even feel it. It isn't funny, I replied sharply. It's just gross. Sometimes Keith acts like a total baby. Oh, someone's a little steamed, Todd teased. Shut up, Todd, I snapped. I really wasn't in the mood for Todd. I didn't think what Keith did was the least bit funny. I'm not a goody-goody or anything, but I didn't like being ignored by Keith all night, and I just don't see the point of soaking down beers until you throw up. Randy started past the stop sign, then stopped the car with a hard jolt. Whoa, didn't see that one, she muttered. I suddenly remember that she had been up in the garage for a while, too. Randy, are you okay? I asked. She nodded. Yeah, fine, no problem. The twin beams of light from the headlights bounced off the swirling fog. Randy lowered her foot on a gas pedal, and a tire skidded over the wet pavement. Hey, you drive like me, Todd exclaimed, laughing. Her eyes narrowed in concentration. Randy worked the wheel to get the car in control. The road is slippery, she murmured. She sped through an intersection, then made a wide turn onto River Road, bumping along the shoulder. Randy, I started. Ow, I hit my head on the roof, Todd protested. I'll sue you, Randy. I really will. Give me a break, Todd, Randy snapped, her eyes on the windshield. It's this fog. It's hard to see. Want my glasses? Carlo choked. Just for that, I'm taking you home first, Randy shot back. The road curved along the river. Randy leaned over the wheel, concentrating, concentrating on keeping the car on the road. We bounced over a deep hall, and everybody screamed. Thanks for the vote of confidence, guys, Randy choked. I slouched lower in the back seat, tightening the seatbelt. Gazing up at the speedometer, I saw that we were doing over sixty. Randy, slow down, I urged quietly. She glanced down at the speedometer. Oh, I didn't realize, she murmured. She raised her foot and the car slowed to fifty. On both sides of us, bare branches of big black trees poked out through the fog. Fat raindrops fell from the trees and spattered the windshield. Randy clicked on the wipers. Did you see that girl from Harding? Jillian asked. What was she wearing? Not much, Todd joked. I mean, it's not like it's summertime at the beach, Jillian declared. Who was she, anyway? A friend of Talia's? She could be my friend, Todd exclaimed. Mine, too, Carlo added, giggling. 
Down, boys, I said dryly. Drop me home first, Todd told Randy. My house is the closest. Just turn up there on Cedar, and then... I remember where you live, Randy cut in. A car with its brights on came at us, filling the windshield with a curtain of white light. Randy squinted and slowed the car. What a jerk, she muttered. I can't see a thing. Brights don't help in a fog, I said. The light just bounces right back at you. Randy sped up as the other car passed by. Beside me, Carlo and Jillian were laughing about something. I don't get it, Todd said. Hey, come on, guys. Let me in on it. I didn't know what they were talking about, but I was certain it wasn't terribly important. I stared straight ahead into the billowing fog. I felt as if I were driving, too. As Randy made a right onto Cedar, I felt my body leaning into the turn with her. When she hit the brake, I lowered my right foot, too. Even from the back, I could see that Randy was a little out of it. When she started to yawn, my stomach nodded. I was so nervous. I wished I were driving. Carlo and Jillian were giggling together. Todd was still pleading with them to explain. We bumped over another hole in the road. Then suddenly, Todd cried out, Randy, stop! Make a left! I didn't notice the street we just passed. It was dark and there must not have been a street sign. I could only see a sign that read, Dead End. Randy jammed her foot down on the brake. We started to slide. The lights bounced crazily off the fog. I felt myself thrown hard against Carlo. The car skidded harder. Randy spun the wheel, trying to straighten us out, pumping the brake, pumping it, but we didn't stop. The car in front appeared out of nowhere. It just seemed to rise up out of the fog. We hit it hard from behind. I'll never forget the sound of that bang. I saw the other car bounce. I heard the crunch of its taillights shattering. As I was tossed forward, I saw a shadow move in the back window of the other car. I cried out as the seatbelt pulled me back against the seat. My neck snapped hard. My muscles nodded. Pain throbbed down my back. I shut my eyes, tried to relax my muscles, to stop the pain. I heard tire squeals. Hey, what'd you hit? Jillian cried shrilly. That car, Carlo uttered. Todd, why didn't you tell me about the turn? Randy yelled. You said you knew the way, Todd snapped. I opened my eyes as Randy threw the car into reverse. In the rearview mirror, I could see her eyes. They were wild, frightened. She was breathing hard, making low gasping sounds. I dropped back against the seat. My neck ached, but the pain started to fade. Randy spun the wheel, hit the gas. The car shot forward. Randy, what are you doing? I cried. The tires skidded on the slick road as we shot forward. Hey, whoa, Carlo exclaimed. Randy, stop, I cried. You've got to stop. There's someone in that car. You hit someone. You hit someone, Jillian shrieked. Randy squinted through the rain-smeared windshield. Her mouth was open. Her face twisted in an expression of fear. Stop, Randy, I pleaded. You hit someone. You hit someone, Jillian repeated frantically. But Randy spun the wheel, turned the car back, and made a quick turn onto Todd's street. And we squealed away into the fog-draped darkness. Stop. You've got to stop, I screamed. I can't, Randy shrieked, leaning over the wheel pushing all the way on the gas. Don't you understand? I can't stop. I can't. Chapter 4 I can't stop. I'm not allowed to be here, Randy cried. Randy jerked the wheel, swerving to keep us on the curving road. Not allowed. What are you talking about? Jillian demanded. Randy let out a hoarse cry. I'm grounded. My parents grounded me for two weeks. I'm not allowed to go out, and I'm not allowed to have the car. But we hit that car so hard, Carlo protested. Someone might be hurt. It was so dark, Todd said. What makes you think someone was in that car? It could have been parked. No, I saw something move inside, I told him. I saw someone in there. At least, I think I did. 
It was very dark. It had all happened so quickly. Had my eyes played a trick on me, I wondered, was the other car empty? Is everyone okay? Brandy asked. She glanced at me in the rearview mirror. You cried out? My neck muscles snapped or something, I told her. It hardly hurts now, but we have to go back there, Randy. She shook her head, her lips pressed tightly together. Can't, she murmured. No way. I'm not supposed to be out either, Jillian confessed. My parents think I'm home, studying for the chemistry exam, she sighed. If my parents learn I sneaked out and got into an accident, they'll kill me. But what if the person in the other car is badly hurt, I insisted. How can we just... My dad would skin me alive, Todd interrupted. After he got his new job, he warned me not to get into trouble of any kind. Slow down, Randy. My house is up there on the right. Huh? New job? What new job? Jillian asked. In the mayor's office, handling press relations and stuff, Todd shook his head. You think I'm a big guy? You should see my dad. He's built like a middle linebacker. He's a scary guy. He could pound me. He really could. Hey, we've all got excuses, I said. But listen, guys. That's right, Natalie, Randy said sharply, slowing for a stop sign. We've all got excuses. We've all got good reasons not to go back there. Your dad's in the hospital, isn't he, Carlo? Yeah, Carlo replied quietly. Carlo was so shy, he kept everything in. I never heard him talk about his family. I realized I didn't know anything about him. Well, your dad doesn't need any bad news now, Randy continued. If we go back there, we'll all be in major trouble, all of us. Randy pulled the car to the curb and stopped under a streetlight a couple of houses down from Todd's. I want to have a great senior year, she said, her voice trembling with emotion. Being in an accident would spoil everything. My parents are so strict, they'd ruin my life. But we were in an accident, I cried. Randy pushed open the car door and stepped out. Where is she going? Jillian asked. I shrugged. Beats me. I watched Randy through the windshield. Her hands in her coat pockets, she walked to the front of the car. Stepping into the white light of the headlights, she leaned down and inspected the hood and the bumper. She slid back behind the wheel a few seconds later. Just one scratch on the bumper, she reported. That's why Dad bought this car, because it's so tough and so safe, she shivered. He'd kill me if he found out I took it tonight. I rubbed the back of my neck. The pain had vanished, but my neck muscles all felt tight. Thank goodness we're all okay, I murmured. Yeah, and if we're okay, whoever is in the other car is okay too, Randy insisted. I hope so, I told her. I really do. Later that night, as I tried to get to sleep, I kept reliving the accident again and again in my mind. That's the strange thing about car accidents. I'd been in one before with my mom, and the same thing happened after that accident too. I kept seeing it happen in slow motion. I felt the hard jolt, felt the car bounce, felt myself heaved against the seatbelt and I kept hearing the sounds, the heavy metallic crunch, the crack of shattering glass. Whether I kept my eyes open or closed, the accident repeated and repeated. I guess that's how our minds deal with frightening things like a car accident. It's such a shock, a shock to your mind and your body. You keep repeating it until you convince yourself you're okay, until you slowly start to feel better about it. Well, I didn't feel better about it. I especially didn't feel good about racing away like that. But what choice did we have? I twisted around and fluffed up the pillow. Then I settled back. It was so late, nearly two in the morning. Got to sleep, I whispered. Everything will be okay, I assured myself. No one saw us. It was so dark on that dead-end street. No one around. I shut my eyes and tried to picture the darkness, to picture the swirling fog. Soft, swirling fog. Soft and gray and silent. Soft puffs of cloud. The billows of fog lulled me into a deep, dreamless sleep. 
when the jangling phone on my nightstand awakened me, the morning sun was already outside the window. I pulled myself up confused, rubbed my eyes. I had been in such a deep sleep, I didn't recognize the sound of the phone. Finally, I lifted the receiver to my ear. Hello? My voice was still choked with sleep. I cleared my throat noisily. Todd said hello on the other end. His next words woke me up quickly. Natalie, he said, I have bad news.